had anxiety right there? How many of you feel like your life is a little bit like spinning some plates? Anybody here? Yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, how many of you are currently spinning more than six plates and want to go, enough, enough, that's plenty. What are, what are the plates that you're spinning? Work? Family? Cleaning? Mowing? I don't, you know, whatever. Relationships? What, what plates, ladies, are you currently spinning? We're going to be in John chapter 11, and it's the last of your notes for this weekend. So if you would want to turn there in your um, notebooks, um, there at the top of the page, there are some plates right there. And if you would take a moment, I'd like for you to write, what are the plates that you're currently spinning that feel like they might go crazy at any moment? They might fall, work, relationships, family, the home kids sports somebody in here might be spinning the plate of exercise i don't know who you are if you could come teach me how to spin that plate later um but but what are the plates you spin and take a moment write some of those down i'll give you a second now i don't want you to freak out okay But I'm going to show you a picture of my plates. Here we go. Yeah. Um, And and I'll be honest, I don't even have up there housework or cleaning, which is why I'm not inviting any of you over afterwards, because my house is a mess right now and I haven't mowed my grass, but my dad is here. So, Dad, if you'd like to go mow afterwards, that'd be great. I don't have any gas in my mower. Um, But those are the plates I'm spinning right now. And I'll be honest. There's, there are times where I look at that list and I am filled up with pride. Look at how many plates I am spinning. I mean, my parents have taught me a great work ethic. My grandparents, my grandpa would be so proud of me right now. You know, looking at, look at all these plates she can spin, which is great until one of those plates starts to falter, right? A couple of weeks ago, I was kind of at the height of plate spinning, one of the things that was on that list was surveys. One of the things I'm responsible for is all the surveying we do of students, and we do a big survey um, every other spring. And so this was the spring to do it of all of our students, and I needed to get those surveys packaged up and shipped off to Iowa so that they could be evaluated and our, we could get our results because we needed them this past Friday for a big meeting we were having. So I had sorted everything. I'd had a student count some things. I threw them in a box, and I was going through the paperwork, and I was like, oh, there's the label, slapped it on the top of the box. I ran it up to our mailroom, and our nice lady um, in our mailroom, Diana, she said to me, oh, this is a FedEx box. FedEx doesn't pick up at Ozark. We either have to call them or we need to drop it by the FedEx office. And I said, you know what, Diana? I live near the FedEx office. I'll just drop it off on my way home. She had wrapped all the, you know, taped it all up, and I put it in my car um, on my driver's seat so I wouldn't forget to go to the FedEx office, right? Because, you know, have you ever done that? You've gotten in your car and you think, I need to go three places before you go home, and somehow you just drive straight home? I, I do that all the time. So I, I actually drove to the FedEx office. I was so proud of myself. I drove to the FedEx office. I handed the guy my box. He uh, scanned it. He goes, you want a receipt? I said, sure. I, I took the receipt, got in my car, went home, thought, the box is on its way to Iowa. We're in, we're, we're in great shape. 
Till the next morning, I'm walking by our mailroom. And in the mailroom, if we get a red card, that means we have a package. So I walk by and I see my mail slot and there's a red, there's a red card in my mailbox. I thought, what package could I possibly have? I mailed myself a box, ladies. The label that I had pulled out of that stack of papers was the label that came with the box that was put in the box in case the label on the outside of the box got. I mailed myself a box. I was spinning so many plates. And I laughed. I laughed really hard and I told everybody about how I mailed myself a box and they thought it was so funny. In fact, they thought it was so funny that the executive assistant to our president left this in my mail slot um, a couple of days later to tell me how I'm supposed to mail a box. (laughs) Yeah. $12.58 later, that box did make it to Iowa. I paid for that $12.58. I did not turn that receipt in. And we got it in time. We got the survey. We went through it this past Friday. We're in good shape. So, you know, crisis averted. Not a big deal. But I have to remind myself that sometimes I'm defined by the plates I spin. Over the last couple of days, we've looked at uh, different people and, uh, and their encounters with Jesus. We looked at Mary and this uh, wedding and all of the people that are the servants and the bridegroom. We looked at um, a man who is desperate. We looked at the 12 disciples and others. Um, and today we're going to finish with one more person who meets Jesus. Um, but we first meet her not in the Gospel of John, but we actually meet her in the Gospel of Luke. We've got to start there in order to get to John. And so we're going to meet this woman who you're probably familiar with, and, well, this woman knows a thing or two about plate spinning. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Here's a woman who's distracted by the spinning of plates. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, Luke 10, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. What plates is she spinning? I mean, look again at verse 40. It says she's distracted by all the preparations. The plate of having this house ready for Jesus and probably the rest of the 12 disciples and maybe more. She needs to make all these dishes. She's the hostess. We think she's probably the oldest sister. And now her baby sister is sitting at Jesus' feet where she ought not sit And she's distracted by all of these plates that she's trying to spin. And because of these plates, she's got a barrier between herself and the Lord. So Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. Or he says to her, Martha, I don't know. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and troubled about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. In some translations, this actually can be translated, just one dish is all that's needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it's not going to be taken from her. And then the story ends. We don't see Martha sitting down at Jesus' feet. 
In fact, the way that Luke ends this story, it's more probable that Martha just goes back into the kitchen to continue to spin the plates because that's her job. She's the hostess. And now not only is she spinning all the plates that she has to keep going, now her brain is spinning too. And why wouldn't it be? I mean, based on what we know about first century uh, Judaism and the expectations of women at that time, her identity is based in her ability to be a good hostess, to spin the plates, to make the plates, to prepare the plates. For her to neglect her household duties and just sit down would have been irresponsible. The women of the town would have whispered, she only made one dish for the Lord and his disciples. Her identity was in the spinning of plates, and it was creating a barrier. And I identify with Martha so thoroughly here, because when I'm honest with myself, I am so distracted by the plates I spin, and that distraction creates a barrier between me and Jesus. And perhaps like Martha, perhaps like me, you're distracted by these plates. Maybe it's not plates. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something else that's keeping you between you and Jesus. And so there on your page for today, it's asked, what are the barriers? Is it the plates you're spinning? Is it something else? What's distracting you from Christ? I'm going to give you a moment to reflect on that before we encounter Martha again. Take a moment. Luke doesn't tell us anything more about Martha. He leaves her there, spinning plates, spinning in her head. But John picks up Martha for us. John chapter 11. It's a story you're probably already familiar with. And maybe you've overlooked that Martha was even there, that she's in the story. Um, But I think her role in John 11 is a really important one. And so I'd like for us to look at that for our closing session today. John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, we already know from this morning that Jesus, when he finds out that Lazarus is sick, even though he is now 100 miles away at the Jordan River, Um, And so a couple of days distance from Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem, we know that Jesus, once he hears this news, he could just say, Lazarus is well, because that's what he did in John chapter four. But that's not what he does. Um, He could have left right then and he could have traveled the two days back and maybe made it back before Lazarus died. But what we know from the text is that actually Jesus waits. He stays by the Jordan River for two more days. So that, actually, Lazarus does die. So that he succumbs to his illness. And then we pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 17, where Martha comes back into the story. On his arrival in Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus has died. He has been buried. They would have buried him right away. He's been in the tomb for four days. And verse 20, Martha Martha, hearing that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. According to the verses in between, verses 18 and 19, Mary and Martha are probably sitting at home, sitting what we call shiva. 
They're waiting for people to come by and offer their condolences. According to the text, a large group of people were coming from Jerusalem, which means they're probably a prominent home in Bethany. They're well known. And so these people are coming by and offering their condolences as these women sit there. And when Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she leaves her place and goes to Jesus. Now, some of us might think, well, that's just Martha being Martha, right? Taking charge of the situation, which may be what's happening. But also, she's the one to be honored. She's the one that has lost someone. And now she's going and honoring Jesus by going to him. And she's going to the one that can offer her more than condolences, right? She's going to the one that can offer her true comfort. She goes to him in verse 21 and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Look at what's happening in that statement. Martha begins with a statement of disappointment. It's mixed with some belief, with some hope. I mean, she's disappointed that Jesus wasn't there to reverse the illness that resulted in death. But she knows that if Jesus prays to the Father, his prayers would supersede anything that she could pray herself. And the question is, is she asking for her brother to be returned now? What kind of faith does she have? Well, the text seems to tell us, verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha demonstrates that she has faith. She has heard the Jewish teachers talk about this resurrection of the dead. She believes that her brother will take part in that resurrection in the future. What she doesn't realize at this moment is the resurrection is standing right in front of her. He is present. And so Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to stop here and point out, Jesus says this to Martha, not the crowds. This statement is to her, to a woman who is mourning the loss of a brother. Jesus goes on, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And so to this woman who has twice said to Jesus, I know, verse 22, God will give you. Verse 24, I know he will rise. She is saying to him, I know. It's the Greek word oida, which means I have this knowledge. I have this understanding. And now Jesus says, I need you to take that knowledge that you have and I need you to stretch it. Because in verse 26, he says, do you believe this? The word pistuo, believe. Do you not just know? Do you not just know, but do you have confidence in my words? Can you stretch yourself out and rest in these words? And this leads to a confession, Martha's confession. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who is to come into the world. And in that moment, Christ has taken the knowledge that Martha has Knowledges in the promises of the Old Testament, knowledges she's heard from childhood, knowledge of the miracles that maybe she's witnessed Jesus um, do, maybe the knowledge of the teaching that she has heard even through the kitchen door. (laughs) And he's encouraged her to move from knowledge to belief. On Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, I get the great opportunity of being what we call a children's ministry volunteer. It's a lovely part of my time. I I get to go and volunteer my time with kids. 
And uh, I get to do that under Stacy Spickerite, who's helped uh, kind of facilitate this weekend. And, and you, you met Stacy earlier today. Um, and when, I, when I'm with the kids, one of the things that I love to do is help them take these abstract concepts and turn them into concrete expressions. And one of the ways I do that is by teaching them sign language from time to time. So if there's a, a word like trust, it's knowledge and holding on. Well, the word belief... The word belief is the mixture of two signs, the sign of I know, I think, and the sign of marry. To believe is to think and to marry yourself to that thought, to marry your heart, to marry your feelings, to marry your actions. The word believe, pistuo, he doesn't just ask if we know it, he asks if we believe it. If we're married to it, this is what Christ has called Martha to do. And it's what Christ is asking all of us. Not just do you know. I know that you can do this. I know that you can do this. No, 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 no. Do you believe? Are you married to this idea? And Martha's response is what challenges me today. And I hope it's challenging you. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ. She believed that He was the one who could save Lazarus and save her. And as I've sat with this text for the last several months, I've asked myself over and over, who is my Christ? Who really do I believe in to save me? What is my confession? Because I'm going to guess that it's not always Jesus. Because I'll be honest, sometimes I look for these things to save me instead. The work that I do, the people that I know, the relationships that I have. Oh, and and Jesus, he's down here at the end. I mean, I go to church and I volunteer and I work at a Christian organization. I mean, he's just, sometimes Jesus just ends up being one of the plates. Who is your Christ? What is bringing you resurrection, not just in the future, but now? Who are you looking to for bringing you life? And so I'd like for you to take a moment and I'd like for you to honestly answer that question. Right now, who are you looking to to bring you life? Some of you might have said your job, maybe your kids their status, your wealth. Maybe some of you, you're worried about your legacy, what you're leaving behind. There's a woman, her name is uh, Eleanor Daniel. You might, um, many of you might recognize her name. Um, Dr. D is what some people called her. Uh, Eleanor Daniel uh, had a great long life of ministry Uh, She was a Christian educator. She taught at Midwest Christian College. She taught at Lincoln Christian College. She was the dean at Cincinnati Bible Seminary and Emanuel Christian Seminary, and at the same time at TCM International Institute in Vienna, Austria. She taught in Russia. She taught in India. She taught in the Philippines. She taught all over Eastern Europe. She was in ministry in Illinois and Oklahoma and Michigan. She taught, uh, she wrote for Christian Standards. She wrote vacation Bible school materials. She wrote in the lookout. She has had a ministry that well, exceeds any kind of spitting plates I have. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had planned to see 
Eleanor when I was going to be in Illinois. She had retired there a couple of years ago. Eleanor had been my final professor during my doctoral work, and actually, when she retired, I took her position at Emmanuel Christian Seminary. I was looking forward to visiting with her when I was on a trip to Illinois, and unfortunately, she passed away two weeks before my trip. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been reflecting on her life. I actually, um, she had written some memoirs, and so I've been reading through her memoirs, remembering this great ministry that this woman had had, um, remembering all of the things that she had done. And at the end of her memoir, she wrote this. She said, only God can orchestrate that. As she talked about all of the different places she'd gotten to serve, all of the different countries where she's gotten to teach, only God can orchestrate that. You see, Eleanor, at the age of 12, she committed her life not to the spinning of plates, but she committed her life to Jesus. You see, she could have been focused on teaching, but instead she was focused on the one about who she was teaching. She could have focused on all of this service that she was doing. Instead, she was focused on the one for whom she was serving. She could have been focused on the relationships and the great friendships and family that she had, but instead she was focused on the one who taught us to love one another. She could have been focused on her leadership, but instead she was focused on the one she was leading people to. And I'm grateful for her life and I'm grateful for her example that she didn't live a distracted life. She lived a life that focused on the lordship of Jesus and she lived a resurrected life because when she passed from this world into the next beyond that veil that separates us, she was focused on the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what saved her. Not all of the things that she did in this world. And so we go back to Martha and we ask, did she fully understand what she was confessing in verse 27? Hmm. I'm not sure that she did. I'm not sure that any of us really do when we say, I believe. I mean, we, we just continue to try to stretch ourselves out onto that cross and try to rest in the knowledge that we have. And I'm not sure that she fully understood because as we continue to follow this story, we see her interaction one last time with Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And verse 39, Jesus uh, says, take away the stone. And Martha, being Martha, <laughs> Lord, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. That, that just sounds like something I would have said. I, I'm so like her. Does she have belief? Yes, but it's still limited by her knowledge and her understanding. And so Jesus, one last time, stretches her belief. Jesus said to Martha in verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And verse 41, they took away the stone and Jesus prayed. And I want to remind you that just a few verses before, Martha said to her, to him, I know that whatever you ask the father, and this is what Jesus does. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe 
they may believe that you sent me. And Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. And there's no mention of bad odor. Just some linen strips that bound that man and the Lazarus walks out of the tomb that he had been carried in. And so Jesus' words to Martha are for us today. If you believe, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you believe this? This weekend we've been looking at the belief in John and now I want you to consider. What do you truly believe? Do you believe in yourself and your ability to spin plates? Do you believe in someone else or something else to save you? Or do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world? He is the resurrection and the life, not just in the future, but now, but today. And so right now, right where you are, I would like for you to write out your confession. What do you believe? Is it fully finished? No, God is continuing to stretch out your belief. But what do you believe? And as you write that out, we will begin to sing together this confession of belief.
Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. But the Gospels aren't finished with Martha yet. And you might be wondering, what does plate spinning and confession have to do with one another? John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Hmm. And where we first find Martha in Luke 10, it seems like we find her again in John chapter 12, serving as hostess. And I've made the mistake of thinking that she just went back to who she was. But look at the difference. Luke chapter 10 Martha was distracted by the service. John 12, Martha served. The word serve is diakona. It's where we get the word deacon, servant, minister. In Luke 10, she's distracted by her service. In John 12, she's serving the one who brings resurrection and life. Imagine a life focused on Jesus instead of the plate she spin, where every morning you rise and you make a confession. I believe in Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the resurrected one. You see, ladies, these plates, our family, our home, our work, whatever they represent, they're part of our lives. We can't put them down. Eh, There might be a few we could put down. But most of them we can't put down. But here's what we could do. We could break our addiction. We could break our addiction to spinning plates and instead do everything we can for the lordship of Jesus Christ. And take the plates that we have and take the plates that we spin and submit them every day. To Christ. Because life isn't found in plates, is it? Life is found in an undistracted life. Life is found in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world, that he is the resurrection and the life, and that we might have life in his name if we would just believe in him.